Welcome to another episode of the Hello Mentor podcast. Today, I have Hugh Ko with me, uh, who is the CEO of Pencil Produce, the operating company for pastel and mortar clothing. Uh, he loves pushing boundaries in everything that he does and has a passion for everything design, business, and most importantly, people. Hugh graduated with an architecture degree and practiced in Malaysia and Australia. He has a great understanding in brand building and developing meaningful business relationships. Hugh is both a visual and strategic thinker who excels at understanding business demands and translating those into creative enterprises. When he's not grinding at work, you can either find him traveling the globe, uh, exploring cultures. He's also an uh, avid cyclist, runner, crossfitter, and an aspiring Ironman. Uh, and with that, let's start the conversation. All right. So, Hugh, thanks for, thanks for coming. Thanks for agreeing to do this. Thanks so much, Derek, for having yeah. me. Thank you. Awesome. So, uh, let's just, just jump straight to it. So, we've obviously done a bit of research about you, your background, uh, yeah. your story. I'm, and as we were doing that research, I'm really curious because it looks like you actually studied architecture. That's correct. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, um, tell us a bit more about that. Like, why did you study architecture? What, did you have like, a particular dream or goal back sure. then? So, um, yeah, I think, you know, from a very young age, I sort of realized what I'm good at. You know, I was always more, a little bit more of like a creative sort of person. And I think that was, you know, sculpted, you know, because of my, my parents themselves. You know, dad's an architect and right. mom uh, actually taught music. So she was actually a piano teacher. Wow. Uh, so I think from a very young age, you know, dad was always sort of cultivating us to like, when we go on holidays, we'd be like, oh, bring your sketchbook. Uh, you know, small little things like that. So, you know, I think, uh, you know, entering into to high school or even primary school as well, one of my favorite subjects was art, you know, but I sort of, I still remember it till today, you know, when I finished my HSC, which it was in Sydney, I, mm. did, I went to boarding school over there, uh, I told my dad, I was like, hey, I want to be an industrial designer. You know, a few of the guys that I really look up to was this particular designer called Mark Newson. Right. And uh, he designs really, really cool things like speedboats, like chairs, oh, like cool. interior spaces and things like that. And I still remember till today, uh, dad mentioned to me one thing, you know, and he said, um, it, you know, if you're an architect, you can do anything else. But if you are anything else, you can't be an architect. Mm. And I think mm. on top of that, he also had that hidden sort of agenda right. that, you know, him sort of having the company for me to sort of step in down the track, sort of take <laughs> over. But that didn't go quite as planned. Right. Uh, Obviously. Yeah, and yeah. here I am. Also, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, your dad had an architecture company that he that intended is correct. for you to take yeah. I see. Okay. And I think, you know, architecture, you know, for me, when I thought about it, I was like, okay, you know, design is something I'm really interested in. Mm. Um, you know, I still get to sort of uh, express my creative freedom. Right. But going into the workforce after sort of studying architecture is mm. really, really different. I right. think in terms of the landscape, here in Malaysia, mm. I've worked in, you know, some really exciting firms, especially when I was doing my internships. Mm. But when I came out to work and, you know, compared to Australia and compared to like boutique firms versus bigger firms, it was very, a very, very different sort of shift for me. I see. And I didn't quite enjoy that, you know, sitting in front of a computer and just drawing cat drawings all day. But, you know, when I was in the smaller boutique firms, for example, I, I helped out in this uh, smaller boutique firm called Grizzly Abbas, which was based out in Perth. Right. And uh, it's only like a 10-man team. Mm. And over there, we we're not only doing architecture, but mm. we we're doing like sculpture. 
at that point of time, we were proposing like a St. George sculpture for the, the church, which mm. is like on the main street in Perth. Mm. And I was working on the models, you know, I was able to, to really let my creative juices sort of flow and it wasn't just the same mundane thing over and over again. So, you know, um, I think that's partly, you know, why I sort of decided on architecture and partly why I sort of moved away from that. So what was that? What was that moment though? Like you yeah. kind of said, like I don't want this anymore. Sure. So, I mean, it was actually pastel motor clothing. Okay. Um, this was actually back in 2010. You know, um, I've got two of my my partners. Mm. Uh, actually, now we have a lot more partners. But back then, when we first started, the co-founders mm. was mm. Arnold and Arthur. I've known them for a long, long time. You know, since high school, and we grew up together. We used to hang out together. Uh, but I think the first. The first, first time we started thinking about clothing was back when I was 16 years old, which is a long time ago, mm. when we were in Form 3. Uh, we used to, you know, we always sort of indulge in a lot of that street lifestyle sort of culture. So whether it be the music, whether it be skateboarding, and our hangout spot, because school was in KLCD itself, we used to go to Sungai Wang, which mm. was like the HQ of all these cool oh, things. Oh yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah so yeah. when we used to go there, we would buy clothing, we would buy shoes, and and you know we're like wow you know this 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 clothing aspect you know it's mm. so limited with choices mm. at the same point in time we kind of thought that medium was a cool medium that you know could be turned into something mm. so even when we were form three we said let's start this clothing line but i mean being 16 no money no nothing about business right. we said we tried it but you know nothing quite materialized from it right right and right. then fast forward you know, maybe 2009, late 2009, we started talking about it and we were already out. Uh, I just, I, I think was towards the tail end of uni. Mm. And, uh, you know, Arnold was um, already working as well in production and mm. Arthur, I think, was still in uni as well. Mm. And we said, hey, you know, what do you think about this idea of starting this clothing line? Mm. You know, uh, and we kind of kind of knew that, hey, you know, the places that we that we went to, whether it be Zook Club back mm. in the day was the, mm. the spot. Mm. And uh, we're like, I think these kind of people would really like, you know, this this angle of clothing. Mm. And pretty much, you know, that's how Pastel Moda was born. I see. You know, so we were sort of juggling at that point in time, you know, the architecture aspect for me, right. as well as Pastel Moda. In the early days, you know, we just worked on a small little things, you know, here and there. But as that demand started to grow, mm. you know, I think that only came about two years later two where years later. I actually quit, oh, you know, wow. architecture and said, hey, I'm going to focus, you mm. know, 100% in this. Mm, mm. Yeah. And, and was it like, was it at that moment, was it because it was a profitable business? Or? Yeah, uh, I wouldn't say it's a profitable business, but I think at that stage, um, I still remember having this conversation with my older brother, Mark. Mm. Uh, he could really see that I was really interested in this and I was extremely passionate about it. Mm. Uh, he also saw, so he was the one, when I spoke to my dad, actually, uh, I told him, I said, hey, you know, I think architecture might put that in a hole for now. I really want to sort of focus on pastel motor clothing. Mm. Uh, he was like, are you sure, you know, it, I, is it able to sustain, sustain your lifestyle? I think that was the first few questions. Mm. And at a point in time, you know, uh, we're able to pay ourselves a little bit, mm. you know, obviously having to sacrifice in terms of salaries. Yeah. Uh, but that was something that we were willing to do. Right. You know, and you I was willing to do. Yeah. Right. So... 
um, I think Mark was a big influence as well and mm. mentioned to my dad, you know, I mm. think you should uh, pursue this. Mm. So mm. decided to uh, stop architecture, put it mm. on hold and dive straight into pastel and motor. I think that was the demand as well in terms of the work that we were doing. Right. At that point of time as well, we actually hired uh, maybe our first full timer. I see. So we said, hey, we needed someone to sort of jaga them. La. Right. So, <laughs> but so yeah. good to have like family that is well supportive, right? Even though Definitely, like your yeah. dad had a plan for you mm. and then it got to a point where he kind of accepted, well, I guess that's not your plan. Sure. That's my plan, right? So, and, and he was supportive. So it's, it's good and it's pretty rare, I think, sometimes. Yeah, right? yeah, for sure. You know, yeah. I have uh, really them to thank. You know, they've been one of the biggest supporters throughout the entire journey. Hmm. Uh, you know, um, always asking how things are, always asking if you need help, you know, hmm. in different ways, right? As yeah. parents are. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. definitely is, can't complain. Is there anything that you learn from architecture or mm. working architecture that is relevant to your work now? Sure. I, I think when you speak about architecture, a lot of people know, especially going through uni, is long hours. Mm. You know, long hours, day and night. Uh, I think on top of that, the discipline aspect um, and also the the the. the, the the ideation sort of a thinking process. Mm. You know, when it comes to architecture, I think you practice a lot or they teach you that in uni that you need strong concepts. Mm. You know, especially when you do a design project, you actually have to go up there for your final year and you have to present in front of a panel and, you know, they'll ask you questions and having a reason why everything is designed a certain way. I see. You know, it's not just for the, you know, just because it looks good. Right. You know, there needs to be some sort of angle. I think till today, I actually still, you know, hold those sort of fundamentals very dear in regards to how we run the business. Right. Uh, it's always about asking the question, why? Why are we moving in this direction? Mm. Why are we creating this? Why is the brand around? And, um, you know, even, even more so now after I sort of read that book, mm. you know, um, what's the name of the title? Which book was that? Why? Why? Oh, start, start with why? Yeah, is start that the with book? why. Like, yeah, Simon start Sinek? With why. Yeah, I think Simon that's Sinek, the one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I was like, shit, you know, I said, damn, this is, um, I resonate so much with that. You know, I think it made so much sense um, that came many years later. But I think, um, you know, going back to architecture itself, Mm. another part would be the discipline. The discipline, You know, having the timelines itself and having to deliver. I mean, Mm. that goes for any sort of university course, right? Yes. But um, yeah, these are the things. So I still think that, you know, I think there's always been that two different trains of thoughts Mm. where people, some people say, oh, it's about the experience. And then some other people say, you know, university, uh, you don't really quite need that. Mm. I think for me, in terms of where I stand is that university is still important in terms Mm. of the foundation itself. Mm. Um which you know sets you up then for yeah. you know whether you go out there and get work experience or other things yeah and, and i suppose architecture is um can be quite technical i imagine so you do learn that and, yeah um, and and i hated that technical oh you hated that to be honest yeah i was terrible <laughs> in engineering which uh yeah i'm not afraid to <laughs> to say that i failed several times I was, that was my worst subject so i love you know the design part of it mm. but yeah that calculations and and all that was definitely not right not so you did not enjoy yeah so so from what um i've worked with a lot of like creative personalities before sure. and, and what i find uh interesting is if you take like someone that's like really like a pure raw creative like i'm not sure what the word is like a really arts you know someone that into the arts right sure. so a lot of times um you know when they come to like design and stuff like that, it can be 
not necess- they don't necessarily think in a logical way or sure. structured way because that to some extent kind of inhibits the creativity. Yeah. So and 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 then if you actually go through architecture, I imagine you know it kind of brings in two worlds together, right? You have the mm. creative world and then the logical, yeah, the logical, yeah. kind of world, right? Yeah, definitely. I think throughout our ten years as a business itself, working with many different personalities that we hire, mm. um, yeah, you know, um, we've come across you know hiring people who are very artists. We, mm. I guess, you know, they are really truly artists, mm. where you know, it is this style. They that's have right. a certain style and, I, you know, that's not wrong, but I think you need a good mix. That's right. Yeah. You know, you need a good mix of that. You also need, you know, other aspect of, you know, logical thinking mm-hmm. and even reasons why you do things, yep. you know, back to that again. <laughs> um, I think running a creative business, you yeah. definitely need both. Yeah. You yeah. know, um, unless, yeah, you know, I guess a lot of the artists, you know, you see them, um, the famous ones at least. Yeah. You know, they are really artists. I think it's they have come across a part in their life where they've met someone who's able to, to turn them the into side. the business. Right. You know, but yeah. they're just fully focused on that creative element. Yes. So that's interesting because mm. um, so when you started, there were three of you. Sure. And um, like you co-founded it, uh, Pesta and Moda together. Yeah. And um, on this note, right, how... Did you all work together? What did, what were the dynamics like? Was there someone that was particularly creative? Mm. Like how? Why did it work? And yeah. like and because you also mentioned that they were your best friends. Yeah. Um. How do you resolve things like conflict, which I'm sure is very yeah. common? Yeah. It is. It yeah. is. Um. I think first up in terms of defining the roles from the very get go. I think each of us, we knew our strengths. Mm. Um, and also when it came to that creative aspect, we didn't have much choice. I was the only one who knew how to use illustration sort of software. <laughs> so it sort of made sense for me to sort of move in that direction. I see, right. Uh, Arthur on the other part, you know, he was, he's always very good with words. And, and the way that, you know, we, we, we sort of knew that is always by his comebacks, you know, at us. You know, he was always very cynical, always, uh-huh. you know, that sort of uh, personality. Right. So we knew that, you know, he could take photos and at the same point in time, he could write. Mm. Um, you know, Arnold on the other part, I think that ideation concept, you know, having studied mass comm and that creative, um, in terms of direction, I think that storytelling part, mm. Arnold's actually really good at that. Right. So I think he's also, I mean, now he's a radio announcer. So in terms of that social sort of networking, mm. Arnold is also very good at that. You know, he's friends with everyone. He's mm. able to mingle with people. So mm. we kind of thought, okay, you know, maybe you should be doing that PR element. You know, you should be getting the KOLs that we work with from the early days, things mm. like that. Right. So yeah, you know, I think we understood, you know, each of our job roles and mm. we worked towards that. Mm. I think, I still remember a conversation in the Mama, uh, which is where we actually, this brand, mm. Uh, ideation sort of came out with yeah. Mama and we were talking about it and you know we set well more verbal guidelines it was, it was nothing sort of written down but mm. we kind of said hey you know if I'm going to be good at this particular area I think <clears throat> just to make sure that we sort of stay away from like conflict or try to stay away from conflict you know um, I think it's important if you do have an issue is to raise it up mm. you know but obviously there's the right way and the right channel to sort of raise these issues up yeah. so we've always been very sort of straightforward 
individuals. Mm. If anything, I think I'm the one which is a little bit more afraid of conflict compared to those oh, two. Is that right? Yeah, two of them are a little bit, you know, more like headstrong, like direct. Yeah, right? very direct. Yeah, okay. Um, I'm 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 that sort of person where I need to think about it. I need to write my thoughts down, mm. and then I, then only I can deliver it. Ah. you know. So we have had conflicts, you know, throughout the ten years. I think yes. that's that's very very normal, and the yes. way that we resolved it is about talking about it. Right. You know, talking about it, you know, maybe a little bit of shouting here and there, mm. but at the end of the day, you know, it comes down to, hey, you know, we're in this together, apologize, trying to find some sort of mutual ground mm. and um, trying to be a little bit more open-minded as well in terms of where they're coming from, mm. you mm. know? So whatever, you know, reasons they give always needs to be backed up with whether it be facts or whether it be with other information. Mm. You know, it's not just saying something for sake of saying something. Mm, mm, yeah. Mm. So, so, so you yeah. are you more the um, the introvert in the in the three? Uh, I would say so. Actually, you would think so. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. You know, I'm I'm a little bit more. I th- I I like to think a lot, mm. and I you know I always think a lot before you know whatever I want to say. Mm. Um, and I think that even more so after time has been uh, I spend a lot more time thinking yeah <laughs> you're quite whether it, yeah person. whether it be you know addressing mm. you know the people within the business uh, whether it be um, you know sp- even here today right you mm. know having at least spent some time thinking about you know the conversation where it might go mm. uh, the type of questions things like that mm. yeah. and, and um, as I understand it um, you are the main person driving the business right now that's correct yeah so Arnold and Arthur even though they're still partners within the business Mm. um, they do not sort of handle any day to day but that being said you know we still meet at least uh, pretty often actually maybe Mm. you know maybe twice a month or so Uh, not necessarily may not be in the office but we do catch up I do send them investor reports or oh, partner right. reports. <laughs> you know, they ask questions. So yeah. they're quite they're quite engaging, like, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and if if I do require any help within that spectrum of their realm, mm. um, you know, then I just reach out and they, they just point me in the right way or they help me out and make introductions. Right. right so yeah, right. a little bit more from that standpoint now. Yeah. But and how the, how yeah. has yeah, how has your role shifted then? Because like you obviously started as the creative person yeah and now you're running it which is like completely different yeah set, yeah right? very very different you know yeah. um i think i sort of realized you know where my I, I you know i think i have i have a good ideation process but sometimes execution maybe skill set wise i'm unable to execute it the way i want it to mm. i think that was really sort of um you know realized from a li- much sort of earlier days with the brand mm. and therefore we've always been sort of hiring designers to help me with that I see. You know, so, um, you know, that was then and I, I still really enjoy that creative aspect. So even till today, even though we have a creative team within, you know, the office itself, they are executing, they are coming with ideas, but I still give them a little bit of direction. I still give them my two cents mm. of, you know, what I think. Mm. Um, and now I'm actually focused a lot more on the business itself. So mm. a day-to-day would be, definitely a lot more sort of business development mm. uh, definitely a lot more sort of um, a little bit more sort of focused on different parts of the business you know depending where it sort of needs my help so you know at the moment now it's early in the year it's really sort of um, we did like a big goal setting thing in December mm. so you know understanding okay you know I, I do the reports and I, I look at the overall business and 
and I look whether you know we're able to achieve our numbers or mm. our growth that you know that we want to move towards. Mm. Um, if I don't know the answers, I try to find the answers as well. Whether mm. it be speaking to other people who have done it before, mm. um, yeah, that's my day. And the rest of the time is just managing people. Right. Yeah, which is really my newfound passion. You know, <laughs> over the past, especially I think one year itself, yeah, spent a lot of time. You know, thinking how can I allow my guys to work more efficiently, work better, mm. and most importantly, learn as well, you know, mm. during the time that they're with us. Mm. Um, so I'm always trying to look for for mm. these sort of things to help the guys get the work done, to mm. keep the business, mm. you know, churning. Mm. Yeah. And, and what one common thing I find with a lot of entrepreneurs like yourself, right, mm. is because you started the business when you were fairly young. Yeah. So uh, you had had some actual work experience before, but not in any managerial capacity. Sure. But when you start a business, suddenly like you're a boss. Yeah. Right. And how do you, where did you learn how to be a boss? If it's that makes true any mistakes. sense. <laughs> it's, it's straight up. It's true mistakes, you right. know. Um, uh, I think in about like 2017, tail end of 2017, 2018, I, th- I think that was, uh, one of our uh, well maybe like a darker sort of year where you know I think the brand was uh, in terms of direction mm. you know there was no there was I kind of felt that there was no direction for the brand mm. I think that even trickled down even to the people and mm. we, we did see some of our key guys leave mm. I think you know that process itself really taught me a lot um I was actually, you know, it obviously it, it did affect me quite a bit. Mm. Um, but I think going through that, you know, you come out as a much stronger sort of person. But I think it's important to, which I spent a lot of time talking to many people about, you know, uh, that, that particular time mm. and why people were leaving and sort of asking myself those hard questions. I think, you know, once um, I sort of understood it a lot more, mm. it, it makes me into, I think, a, a better leader in some way or another. Mm. Um, so, yeah, you know, it's really true mistakes and it's also true people who have done it before. Mm. Uh, I've got a great network of uh, friends as well as I belong to several different, you know, groups of uh, entrepreneurship right. sort of groups. And I think uh, having someone to benchmark with and mm. someone to talk to uh, has really sort of uh, taught me, right? you know, or speed tracked. Speed track your Yeah, learning. speed track in terms of that growth within becoming a, a better found, uh, a better manager. Right. Yeah. <laughs> what were some of the, um, I suppose, the, the mistakes that you realized that you needed to fix? And, you know, what was that like? I think... I think may, I think the most important is really the direction. People need to under, People need to to see that you know there is a future for the business. Mm. People need to see that there is growth and they're contributing to that growth. Mm. So if you speak about that itself, you know a lot of companies out there. I think even for us being, you know, not so transparent. You know whether it be in regards to our targets or not so much target, sorry, like revenue mm. or like, you know, direction that we want to move towards, how are we going to get there and keeping, you know, the, like maybe the, the, the ways that we want to get there, a few mm. of it, you know, to different sort of people. Uh, that's something that I realized that in terms of transparency, I think that's very, very important. Right. Especially for a company at our size. We're not a very big team. Mm. In fact, we've actually downsized over the couple of years. So mm. now we sit about 15 people only. Mm. Um, but I think in terms of work rate and the things that we're churning out, 
is a lot more effective mm. and is of much more higher quality. Mm. You know, so I think um, I think that direction aspect is very very important, right. and that's something that we practice. You know, a lot within the office space right now. Right. So everyone understands um, in regards to direction that Pastel Motor Clothing wants to move towards. Um, and they're all working towards that, lah. Yeah, yeah. You so know? you give them like a vision to mm. aim for, right? Yeah. And, and also, sounds like I suppose the communicating in a very transparent way, so people yeah. feel that they're included in that vision. Definitely, right? yeah. You know, and I always ask them at the beginning of the year, where whenever we do our reviews, we always say like, okay, you know, we always ask from not only the business standpoint, but yeah, from your personal standpoint. Oh, you I know, love that. Where yeah. do you where where do you want to be? You know, whether it be in six months or whether it be in a year, mm. and trying to fit that, you know, within the vision of the company itself mm. in some way or another. Yeah. So yeah, some people say money, some people say like career progression, some people say fitness, you know, all these different things. And I think being a creative company, we can think creatively of how to put these things in. Yeah. 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 And, and I, well, personally, when we're kind of building Warp, we went through like the same challenges yeah. in some sense. So yeah. um, there was a point where in the earlier years, because you're, we were so focused on survival mm. of the business and trying to make things work. No one thinks too far ahead. No one mm. thinks, what will we look like five years, 10 years from now? Sure. You know, like we were just trying to make payroll this month. Sure. You know, like that was how simple it was. And then sure. one day I realized, oh, we need a vision. Yeah. Um, so a vision for the company and also a vision for the people. So what, what we did was, um, I kind of put out an org chart uh, for 2020. This was in... 2017 or 2018. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So here's what the org chart will look like in 2020. So okay. everyone can kind of imagine, oh wow, you know, that's the size of the company, etc. Sure. We are at 2020. Yeah. So uh, it didn't come true. <laughs> exactly. Well, what was on 2020? <laughs> <laughs> well, what was on 2020 didn't come true. Our org chart didn't come true too. Um, but what I found was it at least gave people a sense of what we're supposed to be achieving, sure, right? Sure. And, and, and something to point towards. And even though we didn't get there this year, yeah. but, you know, we might get there next year or the following year, sure. you know? So, you know, I, yeah, I think, I think it's the same thing for us as well, you know? Um, I think being entrepreneurs, I think, you know, we're very much dreamers, mm. you know? I think that is our fuel, mm. you know, that keeps us moving. It's definitely mm. not money. Mm. Oh yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I I say this sometimes, but you know, some people get a bit skeptical. But um, yeah. but it's it's kind of true, right? Like there are lots of ways we can make. Well, money, 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 money will come later, right? Yeah. You know, obviously, you know, um, that that is a, a way to gauge, you know, how successful a company is That's or right. an individual is for sure. Um, but yeah, you know, I think the main thing is why we just spoke about. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I agree hundred percent. Like the money is. Um, it's sort of more of a feedback, right? Mm. About how Validation. you're doing, right? Yeah. But that's not the thing that you wake up to do every day. Sure. Right? So that's really cool. So I, I read an article that says that the, uh, the Bangsa store for Pastor Mona closed yeah. after five years. So I was reading an article. Uh, obviously, there was a sense of, um, uh, I don't know whether the word's like nostalgia or like, you know, a bit of a, uh, uh, it wasn't like a, 
happily written article. Oh, like yeah. you're sad that the Bangsa store is closed. So sure. does, does the store signify anything to you as a brand? What does it mean to brand? And how do you yeah. feel at the time you close it? I, I think, um, you know, obviously closing that store, that was a, a very sort of monumental move moving into Bangsa. Mm. I think just for the brand itself, you know, we've always been ahead of the curve in regards to our other fellow, you know, brands in Malaysia itself mm. where... We were one of the first brands that actually came out and had a store, mm. you know, and Subang was our first one at SS15. And, and these are all sort of milestones which were set by, you know, me and the rest of the partners as well saying, oh, imagine it would be amazing if you can have a store, bang, you know, then mm. we had Subang. Mm. And then we used to hang out in Bangsa all the time. To be mm. honest, I don't hang out in Subang. <laughs> um, but, and we were like, oh, imagine what it would be like if you can open a store in Bangsa and bang, you know, that then happened. Mm. So. You know, we do have this checklist that we're sort of going through and just ticking the boxes. Mm. So when when the Bangsa store, you know, five years, you know, after it was around, I think I think that the influence of, of closing it down obviously was, you know, purely from a financial standpoint. Mm. But I think a lot of times when you close things, there's a lot of ego sort of tied to it, mm. you know. And I think uh, how I sort of got around that is by speaking to different people, you know? I don't think, I think end of the day when it comes to the business, emotionals later, mm. it really needs to be the facts. Yeah. Um, if not, like, that's how, you know, companies die, right? Oh, yeah, that's right, yeah. You know, so having, you know, spoken to several different people, um, you know, they all gave me their advice and it, I think that was over a period of six months before we actually made that call. And mm. it was a tough call to make, mm. but we kind of knew at that point of time, we needed to close it down and you know if times get better we'll open up five mm. you know something along those yeah, lines uh, yeah, you know yeah, so yeah. so that was the ideology around it mm. and obviously again from that article you know we did say that obviously you know i think the times are changing mm. you know where e-commerce you can't neglect e-commerce right, you know yes. everyone's in e-commerce yes. and even for us you know direction is really e-commerce mm. um and we kind of said, you know, maybe this will be able to allow us to, for the team to focus a lot more on the e-commerce space mm. when we start closing down stores. Mm. So that's the question that Mark's always, Mark is always asking because right. he, even though he's a partner, but in terms of his mindset and questions, he asks very difficult questions. Right. What happens if we close, you know, all our stores tomorrow? You know, how yeah. would that change? What are we able to do? Are we able to move people, you know, within that e-commerce space? You yeah. know, things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we decided to close it and, uh, you know, uh, we still have, you know, two stores right now. Mm. At the same point in time, we also have, you know, I think the focus is a lot more on e-commerce right now as well. Okay. So, yeah, that's yeah. something I, was, I really want to ask you. So, mm. like you, you talked about Mark asking those questions. I think you do need those kind of radical questions in some sense, right? Sure. To kind of open the mind and say, oh, yeah, yeah you know, like Make the questions. Yeah, yeah, because I think most of the time, like we get, we're so absorbed in what, we've already built mm. right that you don't ask like a really big question of what if we close everything yeah what does that mean yeah. what what kind of freedom will we have what can we do you know all that right and it takes a lot of um uh, courage is one word mm. uh, you know to ask questions like this and to properly actually consider it mm. you know and also it takes a lot of uh uh, I suppose uh, it's an entrepreneurial kind of spirit, right? The, yeah. the willingness to go through big changes. And, sure. Yeah, and you need that. to you need to be able to pivot, you know, and and move quick. You know, yeah, I yeah, think yeah. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah. Well, since you mentioned e-commerce, let's let's touch on that a bit because mm. I I know that um, uh, the company, you know, I, I went to the web website, but like you you sell a lot of your stuff there. Sure. Uh, you still have stores right now. Yep. Um. So and you did mention you're moving, you're pushing into e-commerce a lot more. Yeah. So um. What do you think of uh, you know the stores that you currently have? Like what what what's um, how do you think it will it plays five role? years from now? Yeah yeah yeah. I think I think brick and mortar will always have a place. Mm. You know, still like, I mean, if I'm I'm talking about you know even the future as well, maybe say you know twenty years. I think people still like that personal interaction. Mm. Uh, you know, being a lifestyle brand in terms of stores, the idea there is, of course, stores need to be profitable, and that's always what we're sort of gunning for. But I think the main thing is that these stores are always touch points mm. uh, for customers to feel, to to gain experience, to gain knowledge, mm. uh, to meet the people behind. You know, our company is very, very heavily driven on events uh, and community. And unfortunately, that community aspect, it can happen online. You know, you have all your forums, you yeah. have, you know, your different groups. But still, I think that essence of community, mm. still face-to-face, -face, you know, yeah. it's, it's important. That's right, yes. You know, so we use our stores for that. Mm. And that is the future where, think of it as stores as event spaces, mm. may not be stores, may not be places that, you know, you actually purchase goods, but... Mm where you can really experience the brand, whether it be through the people, the music, you know, the smell, mm. uh, the look and feel, mm. things like that. Mm. So that is the direction that we want to sort of move towards, not mm. so much of a conventional retail needs to take place, but yeah. a place where people can hang out. Oh. Our clubhouse. Your clubhouse. For example. Oh. <laughs> you know? That's an interesting thought. So in some sense, right, like you, you're kind of flipping it and thinking of the store as... Um, a market, a place to market the brand, yeah. right? And and the store itself may not actually be profitable mm. because most of your revenue will come from the e-commerce side. Yeah. But they learn about the e-commerce side through the store. Yes. Is that how you, so that's yeah. how you go? Okay. Yeah, I would say so, you know. Okay. So all that sort of sits within our marketing cost or branding cost. Right, right. And, right. Uh, but majority of the transactions all happen online. Okay. You know, so that has always been a concept that we've been thinking about for, the, you know, the past two years or so. Mm. Uh, we're actually revamping our store mm. um, this year. Mm. So we're converting, you know. I think um, over the past two years, we've been doing a lot of sort of cutting out noise. So, you know, uh, from Pastel and Moda, we started moving to distribution. We opened up a cafe. We opened up Major Drop, which was a multi-label store, mm. which is what the stores are called right now. Mm. Right now, fast forward 10 years later, we're cutting down everything and focusing on the brand. On the brand. It required that much money and time for us to realize. <laughs> you know, but... Uh, it's an expensive one of the uh, lesson. tuition lesson. Yeah. But it's one of the best moves that we've made, you know, and I've, we've seen that with our own two eyes, you know, over the past six, you know, six months to one year. Right, That right. this is the right move. Mm. Yeah. And, and so, so from what I'm hearing, like, so the store, you're going to transform it more to a place of experience, is it? Where you yeah. experience the brand, not so much that they buy the product. That's correct. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I think that needs to be, uh, 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 it, it cannot happen straight away. I mm. think there needs to be a transition. Mm. Um, you know, I think in terms of Malaysians itself, or even Southeast Asians, you know, because that is the market that we really want to sort of move into. Mm. Um, you know, right now, I think, it's still an important place for people to buy, but the idea is to slowly mm. transition towards what we just spoke about. Yeah, yeah, I, I love that. Like that's like that's very forward thinking, I think, and I mm. think um, 
uh, as, as someone that runs, a, I suppose, a completely online business, we do have an offline presence as well. Yeah. And for the most part, I do share uh, exactly what you're talking about. Like, mm. you know, we have a lot of events that are completely not profitable for us. Yeah. You know, like yeah, we do yeah, a lot yeah, of stuff yeah, offline, yeah, yeah, yeah. but it's those things that drive the online business. Definitely, right? yeah. yeah. I yeah, think yeah. I think you need a, a good mix, lah. a good mix of everything, right? Yeah, yeah. And to change that thought is... It's like, it's really interesting. Yeah. You know? So the idea here is to have a clubhouse in, you know, Southeast Asia is the market that we want to speak to and the market that we want to champion, mm. uh, you know, to have a clubhouse in, in each of these different countries mm. uh, and to be able to sort of roll out, you know, um, activations or even product, mm. which is catered towards each of those markets. Mm. And, and yeah. how long have you um, tried, as I tested out the e-commerce kind of model? Uh, well, from the very get-go, because oh, when we first started in 2010, was, uh, that was actually when you know, players like Zalora was coming in, mm. like Rocket Internet, that mm. first year. Mm. So they approached us and they said, hey, we want you on board, we're actually looking for brands. I said, how many brands do you guys have? Oh, we got 30 brands. Mm. I'm like, who are you guys? <laughs> <laughs> Little did I know, here they are, big giants, right? Um, but yeah, you know, um, we... we we sort of saw a shift, you know, in 2010, mm. I think, um, you know, Mark being a little bit more sort of tech savvy as well, yeah. he kind of said that is the way that you sort of need to move towards. Mm. Um, and that's what we did. Mm. But the problem is that a lot of talent that we, that we brought on board, mm. they were still very traditionally sort of trained. I see. A lot of people that we were attracting, whether it be agency people, mm. their mindset was still very physical, brick and mortar, or even like retail guys, you know. I think a lot of the guys that you see today, which are very digital savvy, that has only been cultivated over the past 10 years. Mm. You know, I think uh, they learn on the job. And I think, you know, f I mean, hiring digital marketers even right now, like that's what I'm trying to do, like look for, look for people. It's hard. It's hard. It's really hard. You know, it's yeah. really, really hard. Yeah. You know, everyone, um, yeah, it's super difficult. I think yes. everyone sort of learned that skill yes. only, you know, when they, when they sort of join, whether they, you know, join uh, digital tech companies, yeah. you know, whether it be overseas or, yeah. or here in Malaysia. Yeah, yeah. Everything so, is so new that, yeah. yeah, no one's really that experienced, right? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, so and that's, all, that's yeah. been a challenge. Uh, but yeah, e-commerce for us, um, it's something that we've been spending a lot more time on. Mm. Um, it's still not the main driver of the business, but that is something I guess you would see over the next two years, especially this year itself. We got uh, big plans to really sort of expand that. Okay. So whether it be hiring, you know, more people, uh, mm. experts to help us within that realm mm. and even the direction. Mm. Uh, and the insight and having you know different uh, people who understand that space to mm. help us out mm. so yeah you know um, can definitely expect that from us uh. okay like I'm really looking forward to that yeah um, and uh, this is this is a question for people who I suppose are interested to start a, a business so I'm moving away from just like fashion yep. just yep. In, in general because a lot of people when they you know, when they talk to me or whatever, like about uh, juggling between work and business, because mm. not everyone is willing to just stop working and just go full on. Yep. Um, but you've managed to juggle two things for about what, two years, you said? That's correct. Right? Yeah. And how do you do that? Do you have any particular tips you can share with people? How do mm. you have a full-time job and try to build a business yeah. at the same time? 
To be honest, um, many, many sleepless nights, you know, um, and in many ways it did affect my primary job, which was architecture at that point in time. Mm. I mean, something needs to to give, mm. right? Mm. And it was my architecture job. To be honest, I felt really bad for my ex-ex-ex-ex boss. Yeah, you know. Sure I think I took advantage of that, that situation where, you know, I might be gone for lunch for mm, three hours. <laughs> you know, things like that. So, um, but, you know, on top of that, it was, you know, after work, you work some more. Mm. You know, um, unfortunately, you know, when you first start off, it's something that, I mean, till today, but even, you know, I think that fire is, is really, really strong when you really want something, right? And mm. it goes for anything that you do. So that is the fuel that sort of drives you, you know, throughout. Um, in terms of balance, there was no balance. There's no balance. I think right. it's difficult, you yeah. know, to, to, to maintain two things and expect uh, you know, that you can still go on holidays, you mm. can still hang out with your friends. Mm. Um, well, if you, if you start a bar, then yeah, you can, you can hang out in the bar. It's still sort of leisure and uh, work at the same point in time, yeah. right? So yeah, you know, uh, but it, it is difficult. In terms of tips, um, yeah, make, make sure it's something that you enjoy because I think that is what sort of carries you through. Mm. You know, mm. I think if it's just for the sake of starting something, I need to, I don't think that's sustainable, mm. you know, mm. and, um, oh, yeah. you know, I think sort agree. of set certain goals because I think there's only so much that your body can take mm. um, and your mind as well. Mm. So there needs to be, you know, uh, really clear sort of KPIs that you're working towards. And once you, once you hit those, then you need to sort of move on. You know, whether it be or, or make that leap, mm. you know, mm, mm. things like that. So you have to be kind of clear. Yeah. Right? Yeah. At least you know where you're moving towards, yeah, right? Yeah. You know, last thing you want, you do it for like the next five years or yeah. I'll kill you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I 100% agree that the, yeah. the whole thing about balance and all that, you mm. know, so like um, one of my friends asked me recently, I, I have a two-year-old daughter yeah. and I, I'm, you know, that first time me being a dad and uh, I do spend some time, obviously, with my daughter, my family, sure. and still trying to build a company. So my friend asked me, like, I don't know how you do it, you know, and, mm. and I just said that, well, um, I do it by not having a social life. Yeah, something <laughs> like, needs to give, Yeah, right? something yeah. needs to give, yeah, you know, so, mm. so I decide that I'm going to spend most of my time at the business and at home with the family. Yeah. So I don't have friends. Yeah. I mean, I have friends, but I don't see them. Yeah, you don't see them Yeah, as, as uh, how you used to like, back in the day when yeah, you were yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, like, not married, uh, not having a kid. Yeah, you know, like, I used to be like hanging out every week, you yeah. know, like maybe I saw them two or three times a week, but now like, no, like completely zero, right? Yeah, a yeah, lot yeah. of sacrifice. You for have sure. to make choices like that. You know? Yeah, you know, um, I, well, I recently got engaged and Oh, congratulations. And, uh, thank you, thank you. And, um, well, she's based in Dubai, so I, I only see her X amount of time, and that sort of helps in a way in terms of the business. Because, mm. you know, I'm really, I, when I'm here, I don't have anyone else to sort of worry about. Mm. Mm. Uh, besides, you know, a few of the phone calls or text messages that I do need to reply, mm. or that time that I need to dedicate whenever I go and see her. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I think, you know, a lot of times that, that balance, it needs to be engineered, mm. you know. So, even what I realized is that whenever I'm there in Dubai, um, you know, the last time I was there, this was in December, and we actually did a road show in Dubai. 
So I was just fully focused on that, even though the idea of going to Dubai was to see her. Mm. And we had a big argument, you know, about it. Mm. And I sort of realized, sort of thinking about it, like, you know, if you don't make the time, Mm. you know, our head is always just thinking about work and that is what's sort of driving us and that's the direction that we move towards, Mm. you know. So I kind of realized, you know, I'm a a big advocate of using calendars. So even having to, you know, plan my time, even though I'm on so-called holiday or business trip. Oh, you plan your holiday? Yeah, oh, I plan, wow. I plan okay. my, my on time. On your calendar? Yeah, down to, okay. you know, 30-minute slots. <laughs> oh, my God. You know, so at least, you know, I, I think about it. Because, I mean, there's so much going through our head all the time, thinking about, oh, I need to do this, I need to do that. Mm. And, and a lot of times, I, I'm also not the most, uh, well, I'm very sort of forgetful. Mm. So I need to write things down. Mm. Mm-hmm. So I do that. Mm. So, so, so you, you strictly follow what's on your calendar? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say I strictly follow it, but I use it, you know, as very much of a guideline. Mm. I mean, when it comes to work, um, you know, I might exceed certain time frames that I sort of set for myself. Mm. Uh, but at least I know, you know, how to prioritize my time well mm. or better. Mm. Yeah. Um, and are you, um, do you consider yourself a morning or a night person? Or do you have any daily routines sure, that you it's, follow? It's, it's changed a lot. So I am also an advocate of uh, early mornings. Oh, okay. Yeah, you know, I sort of realized that, um, well, how, how it all started was actually through sport, mm. you know, because I cycle and obviously cycling here in Malaysia in the afternoon you know that's oh, yeah, it's that's like, just oh, well, torturous it's tough, yeah you know yeah. so a lot of times we have to actually wake up really really early mm. and i think it, it taught me a lot in terms of discipline itself like i cycle with a group of guys which are a little bit older than i am maybe mm. about in their 40s mm. and some of them 50s as well mm. i mean when you're 40 50 what time do you normally wake up maybe 5 a.m mm. i know my dad wakes up like 4 30 or something mm. if I'm not mistaken mm. um so for them you know it's like Okay, we're going to we're going to start cycling at six thirty or seven o'clock, and what time do I have to wake up? If I'm going to Ululangat, say for example, I need to drive an hour. Mm. I need to wake up like four thirty. Wow! If if I don't have enough sleep that night, you know, I die. I literally would die on that <laughs> ride. Like you know, I've blacked out before oh and, and you know experienced that before. <laughs> so this sport of cycling has taught me discipline. Mm. You know. I know that if I want to perform well, you know, on that, on that particular morning, I have to at least get that six, seven hours of sleep that my body needs. Mm. Um, on top of that, these guys also hold me accountable because they're like, hey, seven o'clock, if you're here, if you're not here, we're just going to leave. Mm. So I have to be on time. Mm. And, and that has sort of cultivated that, that whole morning schedule. Mm. So even, you know, even though I'm not going cycling, I think that body clock, I actually wake up. And uh, I get so many things done. And I think a lot of my friends and even the guys say when they wake up, they feel very, very unproductive because I've checked my emails. I have two coffees. I had, I've gone out for a 30 kilometer cycle. Mm. And um, yeah. And then they just <laughs> got up, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> huh? And I, I quite like that, you know, oh. it's a little bit of a, yeah, I've done so much more. Wow. That's sort that's of, um, yeah. Um, thing. I, I, I recently discovered this by accident also. Mm. Like I'm, I, I'm a night person. I consider myself a night person for mm. very, very long. Mm. Right? Uh, I would go to bed about say 2 in the morning mm. or sometimes even 3, 4 in the morning. But I use the night time to do a lot of thinking and you know, having that alone time. And yeah. then because of my um, baby daughter, sure. so sometimes you know, if I have to help her you know, go to sleep and she goes to sleep about 10. Yeah. Um, oh, that's were, late, man. Oh, well, is that late? I think that's late. That's super early for me. Okay. <laughs> so, so she goes to sleep about 10 and 
um, there was a couple of times I accidentally fell asleep at the same time. Okay. So when I fell asleep, I woke up at like four in the morning. Okay. Right? And because my I think my body is a bit confused yeah. at the time. I woke yeah. up once at three, once at four, and it went on for some time. Mm. And then I realized that when I sleep late at night, I tend to need about say seven hours of sleep. Mm. But if I go to bed like before eleven, yeah. I function very well on five or six, which is very strange. Mm. Like when I wake up, I'm really up. Yeah. And uh and I like you said, I have a coffee. Sometimes I even watch an entire movie on Netflix. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and then yeah, yeah, it's yeah. just seven o'clock. Yeah. It's still seven o'clock and exactly, everyone's still yeah. getting out of bed. Yeah. Um and, and I really like that, you know. Like, mm. I think that feeling of uh, you know getting you ready you know for the day, mm. and and I like to plan my day like I mentioned you know whether it be the calendar and stuff, um, so you know I plan my week. But on top of that, I, I I each start of each day you know I always sort of look at my calendar things that I need to get done. Mm. Maybe have to sort of move things around or whatever it is, mm. um, you know whether it be go out for a run or go to the gym or even go for a cycle ride. Mm. And by the time I get to the office, I'm ready to go. Mm. You know, mm. um, that's the way I feel. It's quite difficult to sort of describe, but it's one of the best things that I've done for. Mm. I mean, it's worked for me. It's one of the best things that I've done. Mm. So, so you do wake up like really early. Um, well, well, obviously, I still like to go out. I still like to, you know, enjoy my occasional drinks with mm. friends and all that kind of thing. Mm. Um, obviously, when I do that, it's difficult. Oh yeah, of course. It's harder, yeah. but maybe yeah. I wake up at eight. Right. But if not, yeah, six o'clock, five thirty. Nice. That sort of nice. thing. Do you have any? Um, do you have any routine in the morning, or like, is it like? Um, so it's mixed, you know. Um, I feel that sport really sort of keeps me um, balanced mm. uh, in terms of my thinking. Mm. And to be honest, a lot of times whenever I go running, that's the time I'm not. I, I don't really enjoy reading books, but mm. I enjoy listening to audio books, especially see. over the past one year. Okay. So a lot of times I use that as my listening reading time mm. while I go for a run mm. so I kill two birds with one stone oh, and, nice. and that's the time when I'm absorbing the most as well yeah. I, I realise like in the morning I actually absorb the most things right. so I do my hardest task in the morning or the things that I probably would hate to do mm. you know so a lot of the planning looking at like a lot of the budgeting mm. looking at a lot of the finance stuff mm. requires a little more <laughs> brain power <laughs> <laughs> oh no you say finance oh my god <laughs> those are things that I always tend to avoid like the administrative mm. kind of work uh, but it's so good that you can do it in the morning I just generally avoid it it's not so good <laughs> um uh, when um, going back again to like how you started the company sure right so all three of you didn't actually have any fashion experience yep Right. How did you figure it out? Yeah. Um, you know, we're really lucky. Um, we had friends who whose parents were within that industry, mm. but we didn't quite actually know that. Mm. You know, it was really a ask and you shall receive sort mm. of scenario. So for us, it was you know we wanted to start this. We we're like, where do we start? And, you know, we were talking to it, asking a lot of friends. Uh, and then one of my friends said, hey, my mom runs a uniform sort of business. Mm. You know, maybe you can sort of explore that. Mm. So we went to see her and she's the one that, you know, taught us, uh, you know, the things that how the type of files that you need to prepare, uh, what I, we need to give the factories, oh. things like that. What kind of material is this? And, you know, and she introduced this to manufacturers and mm. we got a lot of things wrong from the very get-go, a nice. lot of rejected stock, you know, um, but we learned. Mm. 
you know mm. and I think even today you know we still we're still learning a lot of things whether it be about fashion or whether it be about business mm. but I think the main thing is that answers are all around you you just need to ask mm. I think it helps even more so now when there is Mr. Google mm. just Google it right oh, you yes, have so everything lots of stuff yeah, yeah, yeah everything yeah, yeah. up online so when, when we were there I'm sure there, there was some but you know not as much as today so a lot of people, when, whenever they ask me, you know, the first thing I said, have you tried looking up online first? Yeah. You know, if you can't find it, <laughs> prove to me that you can't find it, and then maybe I'll help you out. Uh, yeah, but, no, yeah. but you, you're right, though. You'd be surprised. I, I had another friend who runs, uh, I believe they sell like Tao Fu Fa or something like that. Mm. And it's a fairly successful Tao Fu Fa business in East Malaysia. Yeah. And when he was asked recently, was, this was very memorable to me, because he was asked recently, like, how did you like do you have any special family recipe for this like how did you even figure out how to make tapu yeah. i just googled it yeah. literally that was his answer and then i googled yeah. it and i did, and i found a way to just bring it to market and that was it that's the end of the story yeah right? that's amazing right, right? I mean, so that's a lot of yeah you can learn yeah. so much yeah so like for for a lot of people sometimes where you know there's a i would use the word the excuse or reason why they don't know it's like mm. actually there's lots of information online if you really wanted to Right. Right. Even not just building a business, even if you wanted to be really good at your job, mm. like you should first start by well doing some basic searches yeah. online. There's yep. so much stuff in there. I mean, right? yeah, for a lot of us, you know, all the matrix that whatever that we track within the business, you know, I I'm always looking at you know, in, even before I came, I think um, one of my my digital guys was just like showing me some reports, and I was like, oh, you know, what's the industry benchmark? Google it, like, straight up, right? And yeah, we found, we found like, information, you know, about it. It can be, you know, you can find the most random things. Uh-huh. You know, it's, it's not just retail itself, but you can go into streetwear, you can go into, like, oh, yeah. you know, T-shirts or, like, cotton T-shirts, things like that. Yeah, yeah, So yeah. you just need to spend the time. So much time. So much stuff is there. Yeah. Um, what do you think is um, for, uh, suppose, in the fashion business or fashion yeah. retail, uh, what do you think is the most misunderstood about the business? Now that you've been in this for 10 years. So, so two questions actually. Like, what do you think looks hard, but mm-hmm. it's actually really easy? And what do you think looks really easy, but it's actually really hard? I think starting a business is easy. Mm. The hardest thing is keeping it relevant. I think fashion itself is moving so quick. I mean, for anything, for that matter. I mean, you see the landscapes changing so, so quick. Yes. I think, you know, especially fashion itself... You know, um, things overnight, you know, can come a sensation mm. and overnight it can come dud. Mm. Um, and so understanding that or understanding that or even creating or charting your own direction and being able to influence people, that's the hard part, mm. you know, so staying relevant. Um, and, you know, I've got, I mean, started a business 10 years ago. You know, when we first started the business, we were talking to our friends, mm. like-minded individuals. Fast forward 10 years, we are talking to, you know, still our main age group, even though we do have people that follow us all the way through, mm. but our, still our main segment is much younger than, you know, than, than what I am. Mm. And, and, you know, there, there have been times like things are moving so quick, mm. I'm not going to lie. Like, I remember going to a festival and me and Arnold are just sitting there having a beer and we just like look at all these kids of today right and we're just mm. like wow mm. it's so different mm. 
you know. Mm. And they're your customers too. Right? Yeah, and they're yeah. our customers, right? Mm. So in terms of staying relevant, um, I can't really do that mm. because what I'm into may be different. Mm. But I think having relevant people, mm. you know, within the business that mm. understands that right. is crucial. Right. Um, so, you know, in terms of our team, they're actually pretty young. Mm. You know, uh, I would say the average age group is anywhere from like your 25 all the way till your, you know, 30. Mm. You know, that sort of age group. Mm. So these are the guys who are telling me what's up, not, not, <laughs> not, 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 not vice versa. Right, right. Yeah. That is so interesting. So when you first started, basically, you were selling to people who were like you. Yeah. So, so you knew what you need to do. Yeah. But as time went on, like, you're now more of the business person and you need other people to tell you yeah. what you need to do. Yeah, right? our, our biggest, uh, one of our biggest focus over like Q1 is actually, you know, refreshing our customer profile. Mm. So our customer profile, we do it on, uh, well, maybe twice a year, mm. but a big one happens like every year. Mm. And that is, you know, speaking to our top customers, trying to understand what makes them tick, where mm. do they hang out, what do they like, and it allows us to, to make more accurate decisions, uh, you know, mm. within the business. Um, so those are the sort of things, uh, you know, where I'm sort of focusing my time on engineering these things, mm. you know, or trying to get, you know, people to engineer these things. Mm. Um, I think this is, yeah, what you need to do if you want to stay relevant, uh, you know. Yeah. I think part, you know, um, that we've been around 10 years, mm. I would say that's one of the, the most important things, you know, knowing your customer. Yeah. And you, you constantly know. have to reinvent your style. Yeah. Right? So even I've been telling like my team, like, you know how I'm really passionate about like sportswear and mm. all that kind of thing. And mm. I was like, that is the new market that I'm speaking to, mm. you know, a lot of times or where I hang out and my circle of friends, I'm like, mm, maybe, yeah, maybe you see some passive motor sportswear soon. Mm. Maybe. Mm. <laughs> mm. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. And so like, um, that's the thing about fashion that a lot of people underappreciate in the sense where, you know, you go through season by season and every season you need to like, you know, create like some hits, mm. right? Like, like something like you could design something that looks good now, yep. but then a few months it's old, yep. right? And you need something new again. You constantly need That's to like correct. create stuff like that. I mean, retail is moving into that. I think gone are the days where people, you know, only work on like two collections, like spring, summer, fall, winter. Mm. I mean, buyers and a lot of the big chain retailers, they still work on that format. But if you look at who's the one really sort of trumping the market, is your Indidex group, is your Zara's. Your Zara's are releasing things on a weekly basis or mm. even on a daily basis. Mm. And this is why they're so quick from research, uh, from, from what you see on the runway, you know, whether it be you know, a little bit of copying or mm. whatever it mm. may be, but mm. they're able to get it on shelf within a week. Yeah. People used to, to joke around and say that when Paris, let's say Paris Fashion Week is happening right now, um, they have a big ship. Zara has like a big ship, which is like coming from like, from like, uh, <laughs> from like Europe, yeah. and a big tanker with like fifty or like five hundred people in there sewing. Then, then getting like live information and sewing the silhouettes. By the time it reaches Malaysia, bang, or which whichever country that they are exporting to, and then you have the you know the products there. Right. So right, that's right. how quick you know you having to be this quick. Wow. And how people are you know how the the landscape is changing. Oh wow. So, so companies like Zara can create something that they just saw. Yeah. In like a few weeks, it's in yeah, the store. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, they're able to, I mean, that is what really sort of gives them the upper edge, uh, mm, you mm, know. Mm. And even for us as well, I think we've taken note of that. 
And we've been working, we don't own any manufacturing, but we've been working very hard to make sure that our processes are in order to be able to churn things out quick. Mm. Because we, a lot of times, it's not so much the silhouettes that we look at, but we're a storytelling company. Stories need to be relevant, you know? Um, for example, when there was the whole uh, um, 1MDB you mm. know, thing came out, mm. you know, we, we wanted to do something like a parody around it. Mm. You need to be quick, right? It's yeah. hot in the news now. And yeah. as soon as that came out, bang. Yeah. You know, we sell a few hundred units there. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So it's um that that's something that we pride ourselves by lah. Right. That uh, we need to be quick. Right. And, you, you uh, and faster, oh, we are right? quite quick, yeah. Right, you are quite quick. Oh well, nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. And speaking of stories and like um uh personality if you say, right? What if Pastel Mora was an actual person, mm. right? So instead of a fashion brand, yeah. an actual person, how would you describe the personality of this person? Yeah, I think uh, Pesselmo is very, Pesselmo, in terms of his, his or her character, would be very sort of charismatic. Um, would, be, would be that person that everyone wants to be. Mm. You know, I think a little bit more sort of popular, um, but, but not in a snobbish way, mm. you know, I think, uh, very much more sort of insightful, mm. um, you know, well, well versed, mm. uh, and a little bit more refined, a bit, <laughs> a bit so rebellious, makes, but refined yeah, at yeah, the same yeah, time, yeah, you know, I think, yeah. uh, but, but that being said, I, I think, um, somewhat like your average Joe as well, you right. know, your average Joe, but he has these traits that sort of make him stand out. Right, so he's right. not your, you know, out there like stunning guy or stunning, mm. you know, woman. Mm. But I think it's the personalities that sort of um, radiate out of them. Right. Or out of the brand. Right. Uh, yeah. So it's so kind of like um, a rebel with class. <laughs> I'm not sure if I'm going down the right direction. Right? <laughs> yeah. Um, we, we have drawn, um, you know, certain depictions of how we think the brand would look like. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh, he he's he's pretty easygoing, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, nice. easygoing guy uh, with good stories. Easygoing yeah. guy with good yeah. stories, and uh, a good a good friends around him, and good friends around him. So mm. it's like a social guy, charismatic, mm. you know, Scott personality, but he's a good guy. People like him, mm. right? Uh, yeah, yeah, awesome. And um, a lot of times, I find that companies actually. Uh, I suppose mirror what the founders are like right, mm. in terms of personality, mm. right? So, where do you think Pastor Moda draws this personality from? Sure, I think over the you know when we first started the five years of six six years or so, it was really on you know the co-founders and people sort of working, uh, the partners themselves. Mm. But I think um, in this age right now, where we are, it's not only from me, but is really the everyone that we work with, whether it be the people within the office itself, you know, uh, the people who are the people who you know are our customers as well. I think the you know even their input as well has been taken in consideration. Mm. So a lot of times, whenever I just take you through like the design process. Um, we, we, we obviously look at insights, we look at data, um, and then there are certain things where people just want to try for the sake of trying, mm. you know? So that's how we design. And once we actually have the collection or what we think is the collection, it, it, it goes in for an internal review first. Mm. So it's not just the creative team, you know, who has a say, 
but we'll send it to our store guys, you know, because the store guys are our frontliners. They're the ones which are actually talking to the customer on a day-to-day basis. If anything, they know, you know, what the customer wants. So they look at it. Our, even in the HQ itself, it's not necessary, you know, you're from creative or even marketing. Our accountants look at it and everyone has a say mm. you know our investors you know some of it which i'm i'm quite close to you know we send it out to them mm. uh we send it out to friends mm. and all of them give their input and you know some valid some maybe we think you know we can get by um and it sort of it goes through that process again where it's re- further refined mm. and then that is actually what you see you know uh, on the shelves mm. You know, mm-hmm. or, or within the website itself, it's right. gone through that. You know, maybe two or three sort of reiterations already. Mm. And even the customers, um, we do have like our our homies, which we call like our main customers, and they get like first insight, oh, you nice. know, of what is coming out. So yeah, you know, we 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 make them involved in the process, right? You know, and ask them, what do you guys think of this? This direction that we're moving, what do you guys think? And they, are, you know, and I think they love being a part of it. Yeah. That's you know? interesting. Your homies, yeah. like people who follow the brand for some yeah, time. Yeah, 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 yeah. Are these like your personal friends or like no. people you've... Oh, no. Yeah, okay. you know, all started, started off as customers and and uh, with, you know, whether it be attended our events and we've built a relationship with them over the years. Nice. You know, so we have that group of people as well that we speak to a lot and consult. Right, right. Yeah. I've, I've, heard, I've heard this saying before. I'm not sure if the numbers, right? It's like, it's better... Um, instead of getting like 10,000 people to like you, it's better to get 1,000 people to really love you, right? For sure, right? Yeah, you know, I think it comes to the customers as well. They always say, right, that 20% rule, right? Mm. 20% focus on that 20%, which, you know, that contributes to that 80% That's right. of that noise. Yes. You know, um, that's the most important. It really needs to, to, to be that 20% first and then it bleeds on to other things. Yeah. So right. understanding that, who that 20% is who important. Who the 20% is. Wow, it's so good that you've identified that 20%. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. What's the one piece of advice that you wish you've known when you first started the company? Um, network. Network? Yeah, surround yourself with people who have you know, been there, done that. Mm. Surround yourself with people who are dreamers, um, you know, a lot of times, you know, I think in terms of mindset is mm. very, very important. And I think um, also in terms of motivation, you know, when you meet people who have made it um, and you speak to them and the amount of challenges, to be honest, the challenges are all the same. Mm. You know, it's just that, you know, they've persevered, mm. you know, in every sort of business journey, there are always these, uh, you know, challenges present. But these people have persevered mm. and are on the other side, lah. You know, so when you when you when you sort of um, you know hang out with these sort of people, I think it naturally sort of rubs off on you, mm. and they make you think big. Mm. You know, I mean, back in the day, we said, "Oh yeah, man, you know, I just want to make a million bucks." Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Yo, <laughs> I <had that> dream <laughs> <laughs> you know, I want to make like, hey, one billion, man. Yeah. <laughs> How do we get one billion? Yeah, you know, yeah. hundred million. Okay, you know, back there, the hundred million. I was like, one billion, man. Yeah." Yeah. So I think uh, you know, um, you know, surround yourself with people like that because yes. a lot of times as well, when times get tough, these are the sort of people that will sort of pick you up. Yeah. You know, pick you up and uh, give you that energy to sort of carry forward. Yeah. 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 I I am a 
big believer of like dreaming big as well mm. because you don't know what's possible until you set that bar really high that's right, right. yeah and that, that energy kind of pulls you yeah you know uh, yeah. that's really cool yeah I so totally agree we talked a bit about I suppose the direction of pestle and mortar right as a company mm. like you mentioned that it's going to be a big push for e-commerce mm. um, you know you, you're still going to have your retail fronts but the way you look at those retail funds are changing, right? Other mm. than just being a, like a profit center, you're going yeah. to see it more as a place for marketing and to experience the brand. Definitely. Yeah. Um, is there, uh, what other things or is there anything else you want to add to this? Like what else yeah. is coming for Pastel and Mall? So yeah, you know, 2020 is a big year for us. What was in 2020? What was in Pastel and Mall? Um, we're actually celebrating our 10 years, you know? So, nice. you know, one decade, um, and we've got big plans this year, mm. you know. Um, we're going to be launching a campaign which is going to comprise of a whole bunch of, you know, uh, 10 exciting sort of um, projects. And, and I think the most important thing is that, you know, we, we want to be able to sort of give back to our customers. Mm. So this year, you know, you can definitely expect a lot more of that. You know, I think uh, so a lot of people have been asking us, when are you going to be doing your, your you know, a party because Pestle and Moda over the past 10 years, we've always been known as like that party company. Mm. And uh, over the past two years, we've been actually really, really quiet. Very quiet. Oh, yeah, I've been saving okay. money for, for this year. <laughs> so it's going to be so, a big one, is it? So yeah, for 2020, <laughs> you'll see that. It's going to be like a nice build-up of some really kick-butt partnerships. Nice. You know, local and international. Mm. And it's going to, you know, lead up to the big finale. Wow. End of the year. So, you know, stay tuned. Make nice. sure you guys uh, check us out. Yes. And how and how, how does someone, um, if they wanted to follow this and like see what's going to happen, where do they go? Just Google Pestle and Motor Clothing. Right. You know, Pestle and Motor Clothing. Obviously, then you will find all our different social networks or even website. Yeah. Nice. I like. I look forward to that. Thanks yeah, so much, Derek. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so we're going we're gonna to move to like some... Uh, quick five questions. I know for, to, for those that are listening, uh, we'll leave like links to like Pastor and Moda and all their social media pages in the show notes so you can yep. find them quickly. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, quick five questions now. Um, I think they're about, what's that? Not a lot, about 10 questions here. So you okay. just move quickly. But do we um, just, just answer as normal? Yeah, yeah, answer is normal. Oh, yeah, quick yeah. answers. Uh, well, if you have a quick answer, it's good. If you want to elaborate, that's also good. Okay. Yeah. So, question number one: uh, What scene from a movie or TV show yeah. uh, was super memorable to you and left you a lasting life lesson? Wow. Okay. This is obviously <laughs> not gonna be <laughs> gonna be what quick. What scene from a movie or TV show? Oof. Uh, and the reason why I ask this question is also because um, typically I hear people ask about books, which is really good. Mm. Um, but uh, I find that uh, most of our lives are heavily influenced by the entertainment that we actually watch. Definitely, you know? yeah. yeah. Definitely. Um, I'll give you a You can have a moment. So like. Yeah. Well. Well. There's there's one there's one movie you know which which came to mind if you talk about a lasting moment it would be Wolf of Wall Street. The Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah. Oh, okay. Wolf of Wall Street when he's there and motivating the guy starts pumping his chest and start making those uh, animal I noises. <laughs> I remember yeah, that man. scene. It's like woo. Uh, yep. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Um, Why was that memorable to you? Just gotta go for it. You know. It's like you know, psych yourself up. You know, we're at war. You know, it's game time. Hmm. You know, I think it's uh, getting yourself into that, that right 
frame of mind. Mm. You know, and that sort of takes over. Yeah. Nice. Animal instinct. Animal instinct. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that scene really well. <laughs> uh, is there a non-fiction book that you've read that you believe everyone should read? Start with why. Start with why. Okay. Yeah, and uh, well, can I give two? The hard thing about hard things. Oh, that's good. <sighs> yeah. Uh, I've never read that book. I've definitely heard of it. Yeah, it's on my uh, second read or second listen right now. Okay. Really um, giving me so much insight that you're like, you know, I listen to that and go like, oh shit, like so many things suddenly, you know, it, it ticks, mm. you know, and, and in terms of, you know, what I got from it, it's very different from other books as well. I see. Yeah, it's, it's truly the hard things about hard things. Wow, yeah. okay. T- t- tell us something that you like in the book that you've learned. Um, well, one thing which I was actually spending a lot of time thinking about is actually training, right? Training. It's, it's training of, of your, you know, your, your, your staff within the company itself and, you know, and especially the expectations that you expect them to deliver and for them to clearly, do they, you know, the question of do they really understand what you want or do, you un- do they really understand what is needed from them? Um, and you know, um, obviously all the guys have been having KPIs whenever they join the company and all that, but do they really know, do they really have the tools to get it done? You know, that aspect of it as well, you know, one thing you get it done and you know, they, able, you know, uh, for them to, to be able to get it done, you know, it's the other aspect as well. So I've been thinking a lot about that mm. and, uh, that was one part of it where I found really, really interesting. Mm. Okay. Um, what's the best piece of career advice you've received from a mentor or someone you respect? Ooh. Stay focused. Um, I think that's important. Like a lot of times, a lot of noise around us. Mm. Uh, and this actually came from, you know, one of our, well, yeah, mentor and even my, you know, the different mentors within my life. I mean, they're not like, I, I consider them my mentor, but I don't think they know that. Okay. <laughs> you know? So, they think you're just randomly yeah, asking yeah, them yeah, questions. Yeah, yeah, randomly asking them questions, <laughs> just having a drink. Uh, but yeah, I'm still driving a lot of that insight from them. Um, yeah, you know, to always sort of stay focused. Um, I think a lot of times we get easily distracted, or at least I do, mm. um, to cut that out and to make sure that, you know, you um, are fully focused on the job at hand. Nice. Um, what object have you purchased in the last 12 months? What object have you purchased in the last 12 months that cost less than a thousand ringgit um, that you believe has had tremendous positive impact on you? The last object, less than a thousand ringgit. It needs to be an object, lah. Huh? Yeah, something that you bought. Something that I've bought. That you really love, that's really add value to you or your life. Yeah. Um, well, I, okay, I drive a really old Mercedes, la, okay? It's, okay. A, it's a really old Mercedes. It, even have a, it has only a CD player, no Bluetooth and all that kind of chunky <laughs> stuff, you know, right now. And uh, yeah, I bought a Bluetooth transmitter so I can listen to you know, my podcast <laughs> in, my, in my car when I drive. And now I actually enjoy driving it, oh, wow. <laughs> you know, wow. because uh, yeah, I, I'm in there. And sometimes even when I get to car parks, even before getting here, because yeah. I was listening to a few things, yeah. you know, I was sitting there for, you know, like, hey, I'll just sit here now five minutes till I finish this. You know, I think um, 
being able to allow me to learn on the go. Learn on the go. Yeah. Right. You know, right, in right. terms of that. Right. Fifteen ringgit FN transmitter that I bought from. Lazada. Right. That that's the one that plugs into the uh, cigarette. The, the cigarette. Thing. <laughs> <Ignite>. <laughs> you use that. Yeah, yeah. 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 So yeah, I bought that. Right. Mm. Right. Right. So so you use a lot of your driving time for like learning. Yeah. To even think and stuff like that, lah. You know, I think uh, ideas come to me at the most sort of mundane sort of experiences or places oh yeah yeah, yeah sidetrack a bit because like um, mm. I experience this myself sometimes I do listen to a lot of podcasts and, mm. and when I'm driving and I'm listening to it and sometimes you get inspiration from something that you hear mm. you know and I always have this trouble of like oh shit I don't want to forget this like I yeah. need to write it down and, but I'm driving right yeah. so, <laughs> so like yeah that's why you say hey phone. Siri <laughs> <laughs> and then when you look at the note you're like eh? yeah I know right sometimes I, I look back and like what was I trying to say yeah exactly <laughs> you know she comes up with like something weird exactly oh nice um, what is an unusual habit that you have you know that you refuse to change or you found difficult to change Found difficult to change. Or refuse to change. An unusual habit. Unusual habit. Um, wow. What habits do I have? Let me think. It's a, it's a bit of a tough question. Huh. Difficult to change or don't want to change, huh? Either difficult to change or you just don't want to change. Or it can just be a habit that like maybe other people have pointed out to you that, hey, why do you do that all the time, you know? Mm. Um, yeah, okay. Um, whenever I speak to my staff, um, now that I put in the spot, I can't remember how do I normally say it. Mm. But I like, I like adding on things to people's names. <laughs> you know, so I've got the designer, her name's Eva. Okay. And uh, you know, I'll say like, hey Ivari or like <laughs> and, and oh yeah, and another thing which I always do is that you know, I assume people can read my mind. Uh-huh. And because they have so much going on in my head, I normally say, Hey, for example, uh-huh. uh-huh. Hey Derek, you know like that thing? They're like, What thing? <laughs> that thing, like that thing. They're like, Oh the thing <laughs> And then, you know, sometimes they, they, they sometimes sort of they know. Oh, yeah, oh, really? sometimes they get oh, okay. it, yeah. So, they, I mean, they don't tell me don't do it, but they always sort of point it out and they'll say thingo, you know, I like to say thingo. So I like, add like, like silly things to, you know, at the back of like people's name, like Jacko, like Jack is Jacko, or like, you know, Eva is Ivari, things like that. Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, if you could make a video go viral, right? If you could make a video go viral on social media, what message would you like that video to carry? A message that's important to you, obviously. What, sure. Yeah, what would you like it to carry? Yeah, I think it's uh, unity. You know, I think uh, especially right now in the world, you know, I mean, there's all these, all these things, you know, happening. I think even in Malaysia itself, mm. you know, us being, uh, you know, diverse culture and, and races and, and heritage and all that. But, you know, um, unfortunately, you know, we still need big, big improvements within that. You know, um I think a lo- just from a business aspect as well, I think that would be so much easier, you know, if there's actually more unity. Right. So if we can actually do it together. Yeah. I think it's about, it's about bloody time, like, you know. I mean, Malaysia, you know, I mean, it's, it's a great country, but there's still so much more that we can achieve. That's right. Yeah. And uh, it's only, we can only do it together. Yeah. 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 So it's a, yeah, drive unity. I 100% agree. Hmm. And then unity obviously creates... Uh, 
stability, which yeah. which helps everyone prosper and yeah. grow together, right? Yeah. Rather than spend that energy fighting. I know, right? We just yeah. need that wave. I mean, if we're really pushing, we're gonna pedal a little bit like a like a, we're a surfer, right? Yeah. Just need that wave, right? Mm. The wave just to come, man. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. what we need. Yeah. It will come. Mm. Well, I hope so too. Definitely. Um, what's the skill that you have? Uh, what's the skill that you have that other people will find surprising, but you found it to be quite, uh, not, not but, but, and you found it to be quite useful in your career. So what's the skill that you have that other people will find surprising, but it's been useful to you? Surprising. Wow. Mm. Oh, many criteria, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> many like you're very, like, very specific. Yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, yeah okay. Basically something where, you know, someone looks at you and they never imagine that you know how to do this, you know? Yeah, so it's sort of a skill set, huh? Mm. Mm. Um. Oh my God. Yeah. Nah, this one. Let me think. Let me think. What am I? What sort of skill set do I have? Um. Can't think of anything right now, dude. Oh, <laughs> sorry. No we, we can we can skip. That. I the only thing I can think of is certain skills that I enjoy doing that other people are surprised that I you know that I'm I enjoy doing that but I'm a ter- I'm terrible at it. <laughs> what what is that? Singing. Sing. <laughs> I like to sing. You like to sing? Yeah, 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 yeah. you know, I like okay. to sing and you know have fun in that sense. But yeah, people tell me I'm terrible <laughs> at it, but I still enjoy it. <laughs> you do it anyway. And they're like, you don't okay. look that type of sing. You know, <laughs> nice. Uh, here's the last question. Sure. Uh, what does the word success mean to you? Success is family. You know, I think family, not only direct family, but like family of like the office. I always call the guys like the PMC family. That's our hashtag, you know, PMC fam. Um, you know, it's like a, it's, uh, we have all like many different families. And, and to me is, you know, success is seeing everyone you know, um, everyone happy, you know, uh, being able to, you know, be contented with life. Um, and that is the goal, you know, um, besides the point of like building, you know, the greatest streetwear brand out there in the world. But I think most importantly is, you know, everyone needs to be happy within that. So if we're able to achieve that, yeah, I would say that's success. Cool. Thanks you for joining us today. I love the, the stories. Um, I've been following the, the brand for some time myself. Uh, Pesto and Mola was one of the first companies uh, we kind of worked with. When and we Walt signed off started. Yeah, 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 yeah. So like, really I really appreciate, appreciate that. that. It was, um, I've seen how you evolved over the years. You know, I love, uh, I love the style. I, you know, I just checked out the website recently and I can see that it's, the, there's so much personality, I mm. think, in the stuff that you create. And it sounds like 2020 is another year where there will be even more big things happening. Sure. Right? And, and I'm also really uh, looking forward and I, and I hope to be able to also support you as a local champion of like our fashion uh, and, and all that. So thanks again for coming and also sharing your story. You were very candid and very honest about yeah. all the ups and downs, you know, mm. the, the things that were easy, the things that were hard. Um, 
And you know, maybe one day we can do this again, right? We can catch Definitely. up again. Yeah. Thank you so much, Derek, for the opportunity and yeah. to Wob as well. You know, wishing you guys all the best. Yeah. Awesome. Peace and love. All right. <laughs>